funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Untitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guests are Daniel Terry and Jeff Kane of the Discography Discussion, and we cover all things Louder Than Life Festival 2018. That is right, the Big Daddy Festival out in Louisville, Kentucky, September 28th, 29th, and 30th, with such bands as Nine Inch Nails, Limp Biscuit, Avenged Sevenfold, Firefinger, Death Punch, Bush, Seven Dust, and so many more. It really got the internet speaking about how diverse and great this festival was. And so naturally, a few of us podcasters wanted to talk about it. And that is exactly what we do. Uh, but before we get into that chat, I just want to send out a quick uh, thanks to Wook over at the PRP for sharing last week's episode with Keller Harbin of the X-Chariot, currently of Holy Gold. A uh, little caveat to that conversation, though, uh, outside of the news that the episode made. Um, Keller ended up telling me uh, when the news broke on the the podcast, making it onto the PRP, that basically Josh reached out to him and that apparently the, the two of them had kind of reconciled recently, even though he didn't really mention that uh, at all in our chat. And, you know, I'm going to have Keller come back in and, and, and kind of talk more about this, like when the Holy Gold stuff uh, is out and there's more to discuss as far as that is concerned. Uh, but just kind of wanted to say that apparently Josh and Keller had been kind of making up. Uh, the two bands had played a couple of shows and started uh, you know, mending that broken fence a little bit. Um, so I know that's probably not going to be anything anyone ends up talking about per se or anything, but because it's not as, as sensational of a headline. But uh, for those who listen and kind of keep up with everything that's been going on in, in the world of this podcast, um, just wanted to say that, you know, Josh and Keller have been working toward making amends. Uh, it seems like things are, are doing well in that regard. Um, so if you think that, you know, the comments made in the podcast were still fresh and relevant and, you know, that's how Keller feels, it's not entirely true. Uh, he did say those things, but it was more kind of looking back and talking about how we felt in the moment at the time. And, uh, yeah, so I just kind of want to give a quick little caveat on that and just kind of say, you know, there's some, some extra shit to that, that story that probably won't be said, or you probably won't read about, uh, or anything like that. So for those listening, just know that, you know, it's not all bad blood between Josh and, and Keller at this point. And, uh, maybe we'll see some 68 and Holy Gold, uh, tours and maybe if we're lucky, we'll, uh, maybe get to hear some old, uh, chariot jams perhaps when that happens. Uh, all that being said, uh, I want to get right into my conversation with Daniel and Jeff going over everything Louder Than Life Fest 2018, so let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of John's Untitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week, we, the figurative we, as in me, all by myself, but I also have some guests joining me from the discography discussion, Daniel Terry. But we have Jeff, whose computer has been fucking up all, all day. He somehow made it. So, Joe, 
I'm going to go ahead and call you out. But how are you guys doing? Well, besides a uh, fried hard drive, pretty fucking fantastic. That sounds really kinky. Just, <laughs> how, how, how hard are your motherboards? Oh, rock solid. <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't die, it's just the hard drive. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're, we're going there. <laughs> yeah, Joe's not here to edit me. It's great. Yeah, I got to figure out what where he bleeps you guys out on and, and just throw in random bleeps. I actually, I think this time, I told Dan I was going to do this last time he was on with the Hope's Fall episode. Any time he mentioned bleep it out like it was a dirty word. <laughs> <laughs> Same goes for you with Dude, that's right. a long bleep, though. Like, you can, oh, that's a bleep. That's a bleep. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you can bleep easily, but state that takes a little bit of bleeping. The best part's going to be when you won't. It's gonna. I'm not even gonna throw it in there. I'm just gonna bleep it out so people are like, "What the fuck are they saying?" There you go. <laughs> there you go. But we're not here to talk ride hard drives or the fact that we are bleeping out band names that they say too much on their podcast. We're here to talk all things Louder Than Life Festival happening September 28th, 29th, and 30th in Louisville, Kentucky. Wow, what a fucking festival lineup this is! When it got announced uh, a couple of days ago, I, I think I, I think I filled the cup. Dude, this is like one of those dream lineups. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, you know, how you're always on message boards or Facebook groups, and they're always like, you know, like, what would your dream festival be? I mean, this is it. There's For a lot of people, I think. I definitely think there's a, a really nice cross-section of older bands, legacy bands, we'll call them. There's younger bands that are on the bill, you know, like a Bad Wolves, The Fever, and then you got interesting crossover yeah. acts like Ice Cube and, you know, Action Bronson, who I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, but we'll talk about that. And, you know, you just – you got a lot of really interesting bands on this, and I, I think, you know – and it's not knocking the Danny Wimmerfest, but unfortunately it seems like, you know – your Rock on the Ranges, your Carolina Rebellions, and so forth are all pretty – it's pretty much the same bill, just a different destination that it's coming to. So lou Louder Than Life, you know, the last handful of years, I feel like you've seen it growing in popularity and the size of the bands that they're able to get. But I feel like this is really the year that the festival is, like, you know, kind of putting its big dick forth. Like, yeah, now we're in contention to be brought up alongside some of these other festivals and look at the names we've got. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's a really good amalgamation to, to really cross over and bring in, a, you know, as many people as humanly possible because there's something for everybody there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even even somebody that's as hard to get along with as I am about music, I can already pick <laughs> out like seven, eight, nine bands that I'd be stoked to see and are worth the ticket price alone. I'm a little one worried about why Skillet's there you gotta get that, uh... and why they're so high on the list, but, you know. Well, I mean, you're in Kentucky, and you're in kind of a, a church-going crowd, so you you need that like little that demographic to be fairly represented. You got yeah, you got to get uh, you, well, you got to think though how hard that is though to get the youth group and the youth kids out of there before Limp Biscuit goes on. You know, like it's one of those like really uh, really rough transitions where it's like, yep, yeah, you can't hear this. Well, okay, so I think I don't know what the actual lineup is, but on the flyer, it's got uh, Under Oath under Skillet, so it's like, did the do the youth group kids still watch Under Oath set, or do they not? <laughs> <laughs> They're there with uh those like weird uh, what is it like those like day raves like where you have headphones on? 
but no one can hear anything right. until you have the headphones on. Yeah. So they're still going to hear the, like, edited under oath that's not, like, vicious and has teeth. <laughs> right. So no, they're going to be repentant and come back to Jesus afterwards by listening to Skillet. You that's know, what it is. It's kind of funny you mentioned some of the, the listing of where people are on this, this thing. And, you know, sometimes some people, I think, play too much into, you know, where a band might be listed on a on a bill. But it is interesting. I mean, like, you see, you know, that, that jumped out to me, too, uh, with Skillet being where it is. But honestly, it was Blackstone Cherry being this high up on a, on a Friday, nonetheless. Um, I mean, like, I've seen them a couple of times, and they're, they're a great band. But they were always, like, first of four, like, when I'd see them. So sure, to yeah. see them so far up, it's like, I don't know. It's almost, <laughs> when I saw that, it made me kind of feel like I did the first time I saw Greta Von Fleet on some of these bills. You know, being here in Michigan, Greta Von Fleet wasn't a big deal. Like, they literally, like, when everyone else was hearing about them and then watching them blow up, like, it happened here where I was like, did I miss something? Like, how the fuck did this happen? Like, they don't really play around here. And now they're, like, getting on really good tours, selling out, you know, 1,800 cap rooms and so forth. And then when you see how far, like on Coachella and stuff like that, you see how far up on a lineup they are, and it's like, fuck, how did this happen so fast? And so I'm just wondering if maybe like Blackstone Cherry had the same thing happen where it's like, yeah, I know that like the the Mary Jane song or whatever, like was, you know, a decent radio hit, but like, did they just have like, have, like random bangers that I'm not aware of that have like catapulted in them into the radio rock realm, like to be this high up? Yeah, entirely well, they, possible. Well, they've paid their dues. I mean, they've, I mean, Blackstone Cherry's been around for a while for what? 10 years or so? Yeah, I mean, roughly. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not like it's a... Uh, I, I, I put Greta Von Fleet more like a Kings of Leon, you know, a complete explosion out of nowhere. I mean, they got huge over in Europe first. I mean, and they were nothing over here for Kings of Leon, and I, I think that, that you're looking more of a, 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 Greta, a Greta Von Fleet is more like that. And I, they're, uh, I think they're a... Uh, I'm not a big fan of theirs. <laughs> Good, big surprise. Yeah, they're uh, definitely they got the ripoff artist thing down to a T. Well, thankfully they're not on this uh, <laughs> on this festival, so yes. we don't have to talk about them. You know, it's yeah, funny. We can, we can move on. But I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, when kind of dissecting the way everything's panning out, I mean, I by that admission of what you're saying, like, you know, Blackstone Cherry paying their dues. So by that admission, suicidal tendency hasn't paid their dues over the last like almost thirty. No years. joke. Like I'm like, really, you're gonna <laughs> no. write suicidal tendencies in a smaller font than Blackstone Cherry and Skillet? You know, you're like, really? <laughs> like that? That's a particular thorn in my side. Just like, but like, I mean, that's what I, was... I get because it's it's like a legacy act, Avenged Sevenfold. I kind of get because ticket sales. You know, I get yeah. all that stuff. But like, but there is a lot of weird stuff in here where I'm like. You know, should suicidal tendencies really, you know, maybe they should be, like, in the top. Like, they could replace Breaking Benjamin in the top three, you know? Well, I kind of feel like... Yeah, I was going to say, Breaking Benjamin at... Go ahead. I was say, Breaking Benjamin at the, at, the, at the top, you'd almost think it was St. Louis. That's, like, a St. Louis staple. If you want to sell something out, just put Breaking Benjamin on the bill. Well, I don't but think that's a St. Louis was... thing specifically. I think that's a... Like, they always do really good. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's more of a St. Louis joke. Okay. Uh, yeah, they they um, that's like the fa- that that type of music is is all that you ever hear on like active rock quote unquote hard rock. Yeah, I mean you hear them incessantly. But all I was gonna say with Blackstone Cherry is they're they're not an overnight band. No, they, no, they've no, been no. around for a while. But 
That's all. Greta von Fleet is, seems like they're more of a, they, you know, they've magically appeared overnight. But yeah, suicidal tendencies should be way higher. They're a fucking awesome act. So. so the interesting band really for me on Friday that like when I look at it, I'm like, huh, is actually Turnstile. Like to me, that seems like a band that'd be more better suited for either Saturday, like maybe before Body Count or somewhere over there, or maybe like around the Cane Hill area. Or even on Sunday, like, I mean, that's, it's got, you know, you got an eclectic grouping between, like, Ice Cube, Action Bronson, Billy Idol, Primus, Clutch, I mean, that alone, plus Yellow Wolf, like, you got a pretty eclectic grouping, so, I mean, to me, I feel like Turnstile, it'll be interesting to see, and, I, you know, a lot of these festivals, like, the people get put on the dates due to tour routing and all that kind of stuff, so I understand it's not like a, oh, well, we think they're going to be best fit on this day, it's like, well, this is the only day we could get them. Um, so I understand that, but, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people like kind of with cocked heads kind of be like turnstile on this festival. And I'm like, like it even happened in an Instagram comment today. And someone's like, why is turnstile on this fest? And I was like, cause they're awesome. And their management wants, <laughs> wants, uh, them to be put in front of a, a completely different demographic. Maybe that'll, that'll enjoy them and walk away being fans. Like seems like a no win, like a, a an obvious idea to me, but I, I am interested to see, what the crowd is like uh, for a turnstile at a festival like this, because there's what it would do if it was like their show, but then I think with a lot of random people that show up to these kind of things, I I don't know if you're gonna get some like kind of crowd killers and shit that happen and people are like, what's going on? This isn't skillet. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean it's definitely gonna be jarring for people that are here for your Breaking Benjamin and you know <laughs> skillet and Seether and stuff like that. It's gonna be a whole different world because. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that they're on there though, because what I see in this festival a lot is there's like a lot of, um, like there are certain types of people in the world that only like they identify themselves as hard rock fans or metal fans or whatever. But like, as far as they know, see, there's the hardest band around, or there's other people out there that are like Avenged Sevenfold is the hardest band around. Um, there's people that, you know, um, work for a local Christian radio station that think that skillet is the hardest thing around. So then you throw something like turnstile in there and it's like, I, you just see people's heads exploding. Right. You know, and that's, that's the thing that I think is the most interesting about it. And, uh, actually one of the bands I'm looking forward to seeing the most, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, oh, really? Oh yeah. I, uh, I think for Friday and we'll kind of start moving on to some of the other days on uh, some of the other bands, but I think Friday, the thing I'm, I'm wondering is will we see Miles Kennedy and Mark Tremonti do something together at some point in the day, whether it be on Slash's set or during uh, Tremonti's set? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that could be interesting. I mean, I would imagine if if that's what fans want. I mean, if we're if we're talking about it right now, there's got to be a that's got to be going through their head. Maybe I you don't know. know. I mean, some some guys will some guys will just play it straight and be like, "No, we're not gonna, you know, what, do any kind of collaboration." If we're not in the band that we're together and we we're not together, <laughs> right, right. I will say this: when we were talking about you know the surprises and seeing certain bands on certain days, and you're like you said, it could be that they're just you know that's when they were available, right. But I think one of the other things that with festivals of this nature that are really enjoyable is the fact that you are having, you know, that that cross promotion and you're exposing people to new music and you're getting people going to events that normally wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be going to the same event as somebody else. I I actually like that aspect of it. I think it, and I think that's uh 
probably one of my favorite things of music festivals of this nature is just, you know, the, you know, the cultures and the atmosphere that you're not normally exposed to kind of, you know, crashing together and hopefully everything goes smoothly. What are you guys looking forward to as far as uh, Saturday? Ooh. Um, <laughs> there's a few on there that I'm definitely not looking forward to. I'd say if I had to really pick one, I'm probably going to go for body count, man. Hell yeah. Not the band. The hell yeah to what you're saying. I just, <laughs> oh, yeah. I just realized that they were on. I didn't realize that they were on the bill until I like looked right next to body count. And I was like, oh, wait, not to make sure that I'm not making like a, a band joke. Right, no, yeah. uh, body, count, body count I'm the most excited about just because shock value, shock value, shock value. I think there are a lot of people that don't remember body count. Oh, God, their last two <laughs> records are so fucking good. Like, I know. The last, bo- Bloodlust was in my top ten last year. Like, it was, I remember jamming it the day it came out with some coworkers while we're printing shirts, and people were like, I didn't even know this is still a band, and we were all like, dude, this record's hard as fuck. Yeah. I'd say the other band that I'm interested in is probably Dance Gavin Dance. It's funny. I'm uh, not necessarily the biggest fan of that band, but their guitar player, mm-hmm. Andrew uh, Michael Wells, was is in another band called Idola, and they are phenomenal. And he's their guitar player backing vocalist in the band, in Dance Gavin Dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's always like, oh, we should, you should come out to a show. So I think this will be uh, one of the times I'll actually probably get to see him play and perform. Uh, even though I'll still wish it was Idola, but Dance Gavin Dance, like they've been doing really good. Their their record is the new record they put out did really good. Um, I know like a lot of fans, younger fans, like you know that's definitely one of those uh, like turnstile like that's gonna bring the younger kids out to come see this this tour or this festival. I mean, I'm sorry, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you know sometimes this is a you know festivals like this are a great example or a great excuse to go see a band that maybe you wouldn't go see because they're headlining and that's kind of a little bit too overwhelming if you're not familiar with their stuff but i feel like this might be for someone like myself like a really good sampling of what this band has to offer yeah and that's actually the reason why i'm actually somewhat looking forward to seeing gore i've always wanted to you know it's not necessarily that i enjoy the music (laughs) but their stage presence is just you know you know pretty insane larger than life and you know and they're a lot of tongue-in-cheek and a lot of fun and uh i just think it would probably be an interesting uh, show to go to but i would never go to just a show to seek war so this is a prime example of a situation where i'd i'd get to see them where i normally would not go and see gore just for gore I definitely think having seen Guar last year on the Warp Tour, it's very weird to see that small of a dosage of the band because the only time, the smattering of times I've seen the band, it's always, you know, a full-on headlining set, so on and so forth. But what's weird to me is is always seeing them in daylight. I mean, the show is whatever. It's it's pretty much the exact same show, night in, night out, however you get it, 30 minutes to an hour and a half or whatever. But it's just weird to see a bit, like... I kind of liken it to when I saw Marilyn Manson for the first time, and I saw him opening for Alice Cooper at a casino here in Michigan, and it was daylight. And it's like, Marilyn Manson in the daylight is not cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of feel like Guar in the daylight isn't quite as cool. No, I agree. One of the things that stands out for me the most on Saturday is Bush. 
I mean, it just seems like Bush would have been been a better Friday band. In the sense that you know, there's a lot more of that more like main. You know, I don't know. It just seems like the same night Seether's playing should be the same night that Bush is playing. But maybe this is just me trying to categorize all the genres into individual nights, which right. is what I think I'm doing. Um, but yeah, Bush kind of stands out for me because I kind of feel like Bush hasn't been like I don't know. Like, are they just gonna get up? like? I, I guess I wonder with a band like Bush, like, what are they gonna play? Are they just gonna get up there and play Machine Head? Have you know, or either of you guys seen them in the last? I just saw them a year ago, I think. I uh, saw them a few years ago at Point Fest here in St. Louis, and they uh, everybody left after like when they came on. They were the headliners. Oh, and every but the Urge played beforehand. Oh, okay. And you know the Urge in St. Louis, everybody was just done after that. They pretty much destroyed the whole place and got out of town, you know. And uh, but uh, yeah, Bush. That was the last you know, I watched him play a little bit and he played a whole bunch of new stuff. I think he played like Glycerine and Machine Head and that was it. But like I just kind of feel like a band like Bush has to kind of rely on the old hits throughout an entire set list. And with them being as high up on the list as they are, I'm just wondering, like, am I alone in that or has anybody else kind of felt like Bush hasn't really um because I mean I've got their new album and I just uh it's just a little too different for me than than what they had put out before. Yeah, I haven't seen Bush in twenty years, so I mean, it, I I didn't even realize they were still putting out music. That shows you how much I I followed them over the past two decades. Which I think the most that I followed them is uh, my wife talking about uh, the fact that he was married to Gwen Stefani. I think was. that's about it. Was yes. well, yeah, was. Right. Yeah, she watches whatever that TV show is on NBC. Where she, the Voice, yeah. I don't watch much TV if it's not sports. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, Bush, when I saw him, they did a, a pretty good job of mixing in the newer stuff with the older hits. I, I think as much as you have to when you're a band of their caliber with their legacy. And, you know, kind of speaking to what Dan was saying, and a little bit to what Jeff was saying, too, I think Bush has kind of been that band that always – throws curveballs on every record i mean you go from a record like Razorblade suitcase or 16 stone into Razorblade suitcase like a song like swallowed didn't sound like anything that was on 16 stone but then you go to the chemicals between us on the science of things and that sounded like nothing that was on the other two records then you have some of the the gavin rossdale you know solo stuff which kind of was like a, a weird hybrid of like some of the the various things that bush did but went a little more like active rock or even pop, like adult contemporary rock to a degree on some of the stuff. And I think, you know, when I saw him, I was pleasantly surprised at how well the new stuff kind of fit in with the older stuff, how well the crowd was receptive to it. And even, I don't remember what the newer single was, but it went over just as well as, uh, as some of the other, you know, bigger hits and which surprised me. So, I mean, I think, you know, I know Jeff said, you know, I haven't really been following the band in over 20 years. And, you know, Dan's kind of, you know, a little iffy on what, you know, having just seen them re- not in the last couple of years. But I think, honestly, I think it's a band that I think will probably pleasantly surprise you. And I think in, a, in an environment like this where, you know, presumably people are probably buying three-day passes. So you're kind of getting people in for the, for the whole thing, not just a specific band. And I think this is going to be – I think Bush, honestly, is going to be one of the surprise sets maybe of that evening. Like of just like how – interactive and engaged the fan base of the festival will be for them 
Yeah, I, I mean, so. I'll, I hopefully mean, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, yeah, I mean, when I watch, you know, it, granted it's been 20 years, but I mean, they always had a they had a great stage presence back then, and I'm sure it's still the same now. Yeah, no, for sure it is. I'm also really interested in seeing. Uh, there's a band that I, I kind of got hip to, and I'm going to actually have on the podcast here pretty soon. Um, Blacktop Mojo. I don't know if any of you guys check them out. I did not get a chance to. They were they had the most interesting name I found from a lot of the bands I hadn't heard of. Yeah. So I <laughs> would meant to check them out, but I just didn't get around to it today. They they are one of those bands, and I'll also say this with a uh, Hyro the Hero uh, and Spirit Animal. Um, being three of the the bigger of the bands kind of on the lower end of the bills for each of the days uh blacktop mojo when you listen to it they got i feel like i can see like people they'll be that band that's playing on like a side stage or whatever i don't really know how this festival is set up but i i can envision the band playing kind of early but i think the riffs are going to be what brings the person who's kind of walking by going like oh what's what's that that sounds good and then it's just going to get people to stop, and then the next thing you know, you're going to have you know a couple hundred people watching in their set that may that probably don't know who they are, but they're just intrigued because it sounds good. And I think they're going to be <laughs> one of those bands for for that day. Yeah, and next year at Louder Than Life, they'll have uh, they'll be in large font, you know, like right. that's the that's the goal, right? Yeah. And uh, we went from six I, to twelve. If I could make one request, though, it's like, can we please switch Seven Dust for Shinedown in the headlining acts? <laughs> well, I think it's it's long been understood that for fans of Seven Dust and for fans of hard rock heavy metal of the last 20, 25 years, Seven Dust is one of those criminally underrated bands that should be higher up on anything they do, should be bigger than they are, and for whatever reason... They're just kind of that band that always chugs along, really dependable. You know you're going to get a great set. It's going to be fun. Bands love touring with them. They take out great, interesting bands with them on these tours. You know, I think that kind of speaks to them, like just kind of, you know, they're on a label that's predominantly a, a younger band's label. They're on Rise Records. And, I mean, it's like you have, you know, typical younger metal y kind of bands or gent bands on that, and it's like and they have Seven Dust. So, I mean, it's like to me it's like they always are kind of – don't mind sticking out for whatever because they, they know who they are and they know what they do and they know they do it very well. And I think it's kind of commendable that, you know, they could have chips on their shoulders and be kind of like, well, we've been doing this for so fucking long and, you know, we should deserve to be higher build or whatever, but they just have always been that band that's just about the work and doing it and showing up and kicking ass and taking names and going on to the next one. Like, and that that's really commendable. Yeah, no, I, that's that's why I feel like they just need more recommend like more recognition than they get. You know, it's not like Seven Dust hasn't been around the block. You know, like it's just it's frustrating to me to see a band like Five Finger Death Punch get the top billing when Seven Dust has been around forever and has been doing it great. You know, and um, I don't know. Like I, I definitely would have liked to see Seven Dust get that. You know, get that top billing. But again, you know, it's all based on sales. It's all based on. Uh, you know, name brand recognition. Absolutely, or however much the label is pushing, you know, for the uh, for for the artist to get top billing or or not or or whatever. But uh, I think Kane Hill, especially, was one that I thought kind of should have been a little higher too, um, just because they've they've really been rising stars, you know. <laughs> and um, 
you know, it would have been interesting to hear them, you know, up up playing with a, you know, uh, up playing maybe maybe around the seven dust um, level, you know, like being. I feel like those two bands sort of bookended bookended each other really well. So transitioning into uh, well, Sunday, what was that? Oh my god, no, I'm excited for Sunday. <laughs> Who, uh, I mean. When this festival, the the precurs the pre rollout to get everyone excited for this, I mean, and this is this is like if you're if you're gonna fucking like put your your big boy pants on and and come to the table with some shit. To me, when you roll out like louder than life festival, nine inch nails, like I mean, that's pretty much a game over. That's it. Like you could just basically have them and a bunch of other bands that no one has heard of, and people are probably still gonna fucking flock to this thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say myself included. Yeah. I would, I mean, I, I'm such a huge industrial fan, and I, I've been uh, where are your Junkos? a fan. Where's my Junkos? No, yeah. <laughs> never, um, never bought a pair of those. Thank no, you're God. not truly industrial. No industrial may. Uh huh. <laughs> no. No, I've been I've been a fan of them since the late '80s. So. I've been following following them for a very long time. I think Nine Inch Nails is the perfect headliner um, for Sunday night. You know, they're probably going to be the last band that plays, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, and even Deftones and Ice Cube. I mean, it's like Sunday. I almost would change nothing about Sunday at all. I secretly hope that somehow Deftones pulls out. I know it was a corn cover, but I really hope that. They pull out a cover and bring Cube up to do like Wicked or something. I mean, because oh, Def- Deftones be loves doing covers and shit, so like it just kind of seems like it'd be fitting to like pull Cube up to like do something. But you know what the weird thing is to me about Sunday? Does this kind of feel? I don't know which of the two fests or tours, whichever you want to call them. This either feels like a, a weird new take on like Family Values vibe like it has that kind of vibe like just like the all over the place vibe of sunday or i guess you could almost say like it has like what early Lollapalooza used to be like like where you'd have a metal band an industrial band you'd have you know a band like primus you'd have rap you'd have all kinds of stuff on there no i definitely got a huge Lollapalooza vibe off of this because you know because i remember it was you know a lot of the same bands you know like i, I to, to be honest um not the same bands, but like the same type of, yeah, like genre switch. You know, you'd have rap, you'd have rock, you'd have metal, you'd have rap metal, you'd have, you know what I mean? Like it was just so all over the place. And that's what I love about this. Like, you know, you, you're going to go on Sunday and if you start, if you, if you start watching the bands from the beginning of the end of the night, you know, you, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get Monster Magnet, Glassjaw, The Sword. Asking Alexandria, Clutch, Billy Idol, like, okay, uh, Primus, <laughs> Ice Cube, Deftones, Nine Shit, like, you are getting, like, a crash course education in music. Yeah. Just by going, just by going on Sunday night. Yeah, and I, I'm more excited about Sunday than probably Friday and Saturday combined, to be truthful with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's like they... I think some of the the acts that are further down on the bill on on Sunday would be much higher if they were on a on Friday or Saturday. But that's just my personal opinion. I think. But, uh, yeah, I was good. I was really surprised. You know, I don't know. Maybe because I 
was uh, grew up with them, you know, in high school in the '90s. But Monster Magnet used to be the shit. Still are. So I was really. Yeah, they very was, much still are. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I was just—I guess I'm just kind of surprised at seeing, like we were talking about with like Seven Deaths being so far down and suicide, suicidal tendencies being so far down. So maybe I shouldn't think that, but yeah, because uh, Monster Magnet I think is was way too far down as well. But that's just my personal opinion. Seeing this lineup for Sunday just makes me really like. It's kind of fucked up. Like I can, I can kind of like put like a three band tour package together out of a lot of these and be like, yeah, this would do really good. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here going like, yeah. you know, a clutch sword monster magnet tour would be like would do amazing probably in the states. <laughs> and then it's like you said, like I'm sitting oh, there kind of yeah. looking and I'm like, you know, an action Bronson Yellow Wolf like either Glassjaw or the Fever would probably do really fucking well. Like, oh. it's just kind of these kind of like bands that kind of def- are sort of genre list like they are in a specific genre but they blend so many different styles and are like hybrids of things like the fever like that is definitely the buzz buzz band right now of uh, of this past year and, and of the festival circuit obviously comprised of uh eric uh from or arc uh, from uh, night versus the drummer jason butler from let live and uh stevis from x the chariot i mean th- that the pedigree of those bands is just phenomenal then you throw in like Travis Barker has been showing up and playing drums uh, with them and is doing stuff on their record. Uh, John Feldman's been coming out. Like, I guess he's producing it. So it's like the the buzz around this band for not – I mean, they do have, like, an EP out, but it's like the, just the buzz around this band has been phenomenal. And, you know, them doing this thing, calling it demonstrations, not shows, not, like, come see us perform. It's like the demonstrate – like, you know, it'll be like the, come see the demonstration at Louder Than Life Festival, blah, 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 blah. And they're just so good at creating content that makes you – look like you're going to have the best fucking time at one of their shows. And I personally am just, I haven't gotten to see them yet. And I am beyond stoked to, to go see these guys live. Like I'm probably going to feel really fucking old, but it's, it's early in the day. So I have time to like kind of chill and watch the sword and stand there and not be energetic. So I think, uh, I'm going to come out of mosh <laughs> retirement and just, uh, fucking throw down with the, uh, the fever guys. I got a fever. I got a fever too, but the only thing that can, uh, the only thing that can soothe that is more glass jaw. Um, I love glass jaw. I've always loved glass jaw and to see them kind of back doing their thing again is, is like a huge deal for me personally. I mean, just it took them, you know, a million years to come out with their third album. Well, but the first two were, you know, yeah. Were you not I a mean, fan of like the coloring book EPs? No, I did like that actually. Okay. Um, Everyone seems to but, forget I mean, those exist, so that's why I was just like, oh. Well, well but I mean, you know, it was it's the third the everybody's waiting for the follow up, the full length because coloring book EPs were hard to get. You had to go to specific shows, you know, right. to get them. And so, for me, it's more just kind of this um but no this this new glass jaw album just totally blew me out of the water and i'm i'm gonna be really excited to see what the crowd reaction is to that like you know if anybody because honestly i kind of wonder like with this crowd like is glass jaw gonna come up there and like nobody's gonna know who they are i think potentially putting them in front of the fever or after the fever I, i should say I think that's a perfect spot for them. This is the band that's picking up where Glassjaw left off all these years ago, and they're kind of doing right. all the different things that Glassjaw did on Worship and Tribute, 
Uh, I don't really talk about that first record because I don't like it personally, but... Um, you know, Ooh, we're going to have to dig into that on right. our podcast sometime. I, that's yes, fine. we I will. I still don't like that record. That's interesting to me. Is it? Is it because it hates women, John? <laughs> the first album. Uh, see, I couldn't feel... I don't know, man. Um, that first Glassjaw album, there's a lot wrong with it. Especially Wait, it, lyrically. Well, as I say, isn't it uh, the first one's like an Everything You Wanted to Know About Science? That's the record title? Silence. Yeah, silence. Everything You Wanted to silence. Know About Silence. Whatever. And um, that's, that's what I want from that record. <laughs> Ouch. I yeah. think that record is cool, man. I think they, 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 they almost hit a converged level of intensity in places on that record. Um, That record is just pure emotion. And... Uh, Here- let me, it, it may not be as it may not be as technically proficient as Worship and Tribute is, but uh, it is definitely a record that, like to me, I consider an all time classic, and um, I kind of hold the two records in the same regard as being two different things. Um, but I don't know, man. That that first Glass Jar record hits me in the feels, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna have to go ahead. All right, I was gonna say I'm actually a little more with uh, with John on this. I don't hate the first record, but Worship and Tribute is a tenfold better. See, I, I disagree. I think that the... Worship and Tribute sounds like a watered-down version of mm-hmm. everything you ever wanted to know about Silence. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, I, we'll definitely have to get into that. I have always yeah. said that I feel like Worship and Tribute is, for Glassjaw, for me what Sing the Sorrow was for AFI, where it's like, oh, this is a band who learned how to harness some of their raw energy and aggression, but learned how to write songs with better parts and song structures. And to me, I always felt AFI just wrote parts and mashed them together, whereas by the time they got to Sing the Sorrow, they figured out how to write good songs, like full songs with structure and good production, and it's like, hey, you did it. Now, sadly, that's where everyone's like, you're a fucking poser, because everything before Sing the Sorrow was really good for AFI. Well, I think what it is is that, you know, there's a difference between, you know, hardcore music or screamo music, whatever you want to call the first Glass Jar record. Um, there's a difference between what it is now versus what it was, because even then they still defied description for right. the most part. But, um, like, a lot of bands that I was into at that time that's all it was 15 seconds of this part 20 seconds of this part you know 20 seconds of this part because they used to always complain that bands would um you know they would write this really cool thing and then they would never do it again yep and so i think glassjaw was more or less birthed out of that scene yeah totally and um you know that so I, I hear a lot of that in the record, and so I don't really criticize it because a lot of bands that I liked did the same thing, you know. Totally. I mean, it wasn't time, as it wasn't as big. Well, as I say, every time I die, like a lot of people in this old Facebook group I was in before, it just became overbearing to me. Um, you know, you'd see daily people who were like, "Oh, Last Night in Town's the best record of Every Time I Die." Is fight me about it, and it's like. That record is so chaotic because it's like all of those bands, your your control, uh, your converges and so forth. And it wasn't until they started writing songs on, you know, Hot Damn that it's like, okay, the band's figuring it out. Here we go. Like, this is where now I'm excited to keep following this band and go forward because, I don't know, like, 
trust me, like I, I don't mind listening to some like grindcore and all that kind of shit where it's like, oh, here's a cool part. Okay, it's gone and the song's done in seventy two seconds. But <laughs> there's there's kind of something to be said about being able to write a good song with structure and and have parts that are good and bring them back and make you feel good and you know they're coming and it's like oh that just feels good i've not i don't think i've ever listened to a grind song and been like ah that feels good it's like well that was that happened it's like probably your first time having sex (laughs) that's what grind music kind of is sometimes where you're just like oh that happened (laughs) it happened uh it's over and maybe i'll come back to it uh i don't know so another band you know Something that I like to try to do with these these chats is uh, kind of shine a little bit of a spotlight on the on the lower you know fonted bands I'll call it, um, you know a band that I you know I just recently saw and I'm gonna kind of be self indulgent and tell a little bit of a long winded story but I mean it's a podcast so fuck it, um, Spirit Animal they just opened up uh, the show I saw a week ago with Incubus. Uh, the interesting thing about this band for me is I did a, a small uh, Midwest run with another band from New York, because New York, that's where these guys are from. And our last date of our tour was ending in Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is, you know, over basically in like Ann Arbor. And we hit up one venue that had like the only venue that basically had live bands come through. And the the dude was like, well, there's a band that has a show but no one opening up like no one is biting on taking the opening slots or whatever wanting to play with them it was spirit animal and so we hopped on and that was like our last show and so when i ran into the dudes the other the last week i was like hey so you probably don't remember me because i wasn't in the band i basically booked it and just was hanging around but we played a show basically in ypsilanti he goes woodruffs and i was like yes and my wife just goes how the fuck do you, A, remember that, but, like, remember the venue? And I go, well, Bridget, uh, there was, like, eight of us that weren't in the band there. Like, it was a very, very intimate grouping of people. <laughs> uh, and those are the kind of shows that, like, you know, where you're basically doing it for each other and for the love of performing and for the music, not for because you have a packed-ass room. And I remember seeing the band and being like, you know, there's something different about this band. They're not, like, a hard rock band. And actually, the vocalist was a, a rapper from... I believe Brooklyn um, initially, and then kind of gave that up to, to pursue like more of a an alternative rock kind of band thing with Spirit Animal. But there was just like this energy and this 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 vibe about them where I was like, this band is like, there's something about them that I think is gonna like really take off. And and so I, I had been following them for a long time since then, and it's just crazy now in the last probably two to three years now to see how far this band has come. Like uh, I think in the last month or so. They just signed with Atlantic Records. Uh, you know, they're opening for Incubus on some dates. They're getting on, you know, these bigger festivals and so forth. And it's just fucking crazy because it, it just kind of does show you that it's like, you know, some bands, like, who are willing to, like, you know, a seven dust per se. Like, they kind of have that mentality and that vibe about them where it's like, you know, they're hardworking and they put a lot into what they do. But, you know, they're not afraid to be road dogs and just fucking grind it out. And it's like, I fucking love seeing a band like Spirit Animal kind of slowly gaining getting the notoriety i I, you know i saw in an eight like with eight other people around me going like this band's gonna do something if they don't get in their own way like i just can see it and so it's cool like i'm having just seen them and seeing what like a full 2200 cap room did having never heard of this band never seeing them and people coming up to them and writing them on facebook and shit going like oh my god i saw you guys at the show it was so great like let you got new fans 
I'm excited to see louder than life people doing the same thing. I'm waiting to like they're set to be done and see the line at their tent of people being like, yeah, I got to buy the seven inch. I got to buy a shirt. I got to go meet the band. Like this is my new favorite band that I'm going to walk away and play in my fucking CD player for like the next two months. And to be on like sort of the groundswell of this, like I think that's pretty fucking cool. And I think for me, that's sort of the fun thing about some of these festivals is being able to see something and and like you know dan was saying earlier with someone like a, you know like a blacktop mojo or whatever maybe next year to see how far they go up on the bill like that will be cool because then you'll 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 feel like you were a part of that and i feel like that's the fun thing about these festivals is you can walk away with a lower level band and feel like they're still yours they're that back pocket band but you're still able to then as they keep growing you feel like you're growing with them and, and you you feel excitement about that yeah. what do you think what do you think the festival goers would are going to think of Billy Idol. I personally think you're going to find, I think you're, and this is no offense to their fans. I think you're going to see the fans of a Blackstone cherry, a seether, a, even a skillet, even a clutch, a sword, just these good old downtown, like down home type people, I think are going to fucking have some Bud Light, those $9 Bud Lights. They're going to crush those. They're going to sing Rebel Yell and White Wedding and Eyes Without a Face at the top of their fucking lungs. And have a good fucking time. Because you know what? That's what I'm going to do. Me too, man. Yeah, yeah. as I was say, actually... I Dan, can I be on your shoulders for Billy Idol set? Yeah, sure. No problem, buddy. Awesome. Yeah, the, the only difference is this time whenever I sing uh, White Wedding, I'm not going to have some creepy soccer mom sneaking up behind me and start grinding on me. Like that's the what last you think. I sung it. Yeah, that's what you think. Oh, God, be... please don't. You know what I'm talking about, Dan, don't you? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, you yeah, don't. You never like, know. What, well, at least up, you'll be... I'm gonna freak, <laughs> I will freak hey, out. Hey, at least you're going to be safe during the Asking Alexandria set, right? Like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I might happen to know more than a few of their songs, to be honest with you. Uh, it's kind of crazy to see how far they've kind of fallen on some of the, on the lineup of this festival. Because I feel like, you know, if yeah. you had gone back, like, six years ago, like, they would have been probably headlining, like, in the Five Finger Death Punch Shinedown, like, spot on a, on a, one of the dates. I'm surprised that Five Finger Death Punch still has the following that they have. I mean, I'm not, like, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised because I know what people, um, I, I know what people expect from Five Finger Death Punch, and, you know, they get it every time. So, it's just, have either, for me, it's people a, like have either of you seen Five Finger Death Punch before? I have. Okay. I have. I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I saw them, again, at a casino show here in Michigan, and I was shocked at, like, they sold out an outdoor amphitheater type thing at this casino, like, thousands and thousands of people. And when I turned around, because we had decent seats, I turned around and just watched every, like, literally everybody on their feet singing to all the words. I was like, wow. Like, I knew the band. I knew, you know, that they were a bigger drawing band. They had a, a bigger name value to them. But until I think you go and see them play a show like that and just kind of see what they can, what they really do bring night in and night out, apparently, it's just kind of shocking where you're like, I, I can't hate this. Like, this is incredible to see this many people interacting. I mean, honestly, go to any hard rock heavy metal show, even if, even if you're probably the staunchest Metallica fan. I guarantee during their set, people are going and getting beers at some point. Like, I didn't see that happen at all during 
most of the set that I stayed around for. People were there. They were actively participating. And I was like, I get it. I, I, I didn't get it until I saw it, but I definitely, after seeing them play live in front of that many people, it's like, okay, there's something completely undeniable, whether it's my cup of tea or not. They ha- they do something for a very wide casting net of people. Right, yeah, and the I cup get- of teas is the key word. Go ahead, Jeff. No, no, I get it, you know, because I wasn't always the biggest um, fan of the Black Crows. And then I, I saw them on a dual billing with uh, Lenny Kravitz. And uh, Lenny Kravitz was essentially headlining. And I didn't have a voice, you know, by the time it was time to get to Lenny Kravitz. I had so much fun on, on the Black Crows. And, and I was like, okay, so now I get why people enjoy them so much. It was such a fantastic live show. And a lot of times, you know, having that live experience really can, can win you over. I mean, but it, it can also, you know, turn you off. I saw Soul Asylum, and it's still to this day one of the three worst shows I've ever seen in my life. And it was so depressing because I was such a huge Soul Asylum fan. And when I, I saw him, I was like, this is horrible. So, yeah, it, it, can, it, can sway, it can sway you either way. And everything that, you know, I've seen and everything that I've heard, you know, you know five-finger death punch, you know, there's a reason why they, they're at the top, of the top of the bill all the time. Even with all the drama that they have going on lately, it's because you know they bring it night in, night out for the most part. Well, I'll say this: I, you know, I hate the band name. I hate the drama. Um, I really don't care much for the band sound overall. Um, I don't find it to be very original or to be very captivating. Um, but after watching them live. They do try hard to entertain their audience. They put on a great live show. They're very interactive with their audience. And, you know, basically that is that that is why they're successful. They're not necessarily successful just because they have a pop sound, a poppy sound that helps. That helps. But it doesn't necessarily mean you should discount the band just because of that. Um, I think they do a really good job of what they do and they try really hard. Um, but you know, like John said, it's just not necessarily my cup of tea. Let's talk a little bit about the some more of the diversity of the bill across the dates. You got a band like Suicidal Tendencies and Turnstile. I think that'll, and then I mean, even Hyra the Hero. I don't. Again, yeah. I'm sure you guys probably haven't checked them out, but they kind of got a little bit of like a Rage Against the Machine type vibe to them. I can see people being into them. Uh, you know, someone of that's you know like a Tremonti fan who's probably, you know, from the Creed days and so forth, it's probably going to be like, yeah, I dig this. This kind of sounds a little bit like a Rage Against Machine kind of vibe that I grew up with. Like, there's something here for me. I think that's something that actually, louder, looking at the whole thing, I think that's something Louder Than Life did really well, was curating and getting new newer bands in that rem- will remind some of the older fans of bands that they grew up with that aren't touring anymore. I think a band like, you know, Hyra the Hero is going to be like, fill that void of like a newer Rage Against the Machine type sound to where someone will be like, oh, that sounds enough like something I know. I'm going to go check this out. You know, you got a turnstile, which I don't necessarily know what kind of an older band you would put them with that would be like, oh, it sounds like this from back in the day. But I think if you're a fan of heavier music that's represented on this thing, I mean, I guess really Limp Bizkit would be kind of like a, a. slightly fairer shake like if you go back to like the three dollar bill uh significant other type sound if you were a fan of that i could see that person being into turnstile 
Um, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you look at, you know, like I said, Blacktop Mojo, I think, you know, sort of has, you know, some of those big riffs that, like, a, a fan of, like, you know, Pop Evil or Hell Yeah or Shinedown, like, someone's probably going to walk away. Like I said, they're going to hear that and, like, some of those riffs or whatever and be like, oh, there's that sounds cool. I'm going to go check that out. I think, like, they did a good job of picking some bands that people may not know, but when you compare them to what's on the rest of the bill that people may know or bands from around the time, I think people are going to walk away, hopefully, with some newer bands that they're excited to see that then when these bands start going to, because I think this is the whole point, obviously, of going to these these festivals and for the bands to do them, is that you want to expand your reach so like the next time this you know a band like a cane hill or whatever comes to your 400 cap room 500 cap room maybe someone's coming through going like i saw you guys at louder than life and I, man i walked away a huge fan like and i had to come see you guys like on your own in a club like had to and you know i get excited about that shit because like you know I, I as someone who used to book a band like bands and stuff like that or would you know go after some of those types of bands it used to really infuriate me when I'd be, you know, talking with friends and they're like, you know, there's just no good new bands. There's no good places to go see music. And it's like, that's what drove me to put on shows because I would be like, no, motherfucker. Like, I'll tell you what, I'll curate a night for you. You come out, you give me your $10 and I'll show you some good fucking bands. And I think, you know, a festival like this, that's what Louder Than Life is doing. They're giving you more bang for your buck by giving you bands that you are aware of and have known and you know will give you a good show. But they're also giving you newer bands that are definitely going to hopefully keep coming back, you know, year in or every couple of years and keep growing and might even become like, you know, the next Avenged Sevenfold. If you would have told me in 2002 that Avenged Sevenfold would still be around and would be as big as they are, I'd be like, dude, you're fucking crazy. Waking the Fallen and that sound is not going to get as big as big as, you know, as it is now. Granted, they don't sound like that anymore, but... I definitely would have oh, totally been like, different. Yeah. There's no way Event Sevenfold is going to be like one of the biggest rock and metal bands in the world, and you know here we are over ten years later and or fifteen, and they're still around and doing good numbers, and it's like, so I mean, it just kind of goes to show you never know what's going to take off and what's going to what's going to land. So, but dude, you couldn't tell you couldn't have told me two years ago that Limp Biscuit would be basically headlining. I was a festival like this. Let's let's get into yeah. this. Here is here is what I wrote down. Because I went and saw Limp Bizkit, uh, fuck, was it about four years ago now? Five years ago? They were on the Golden Cobra um, record. And, I mean, it's got some bangers on it. And, like, I, I to me, I don't I don't know if you guys have done Limp Bizkit yet, but I've always said. We have not yet. Uh, when, I had Evitz, when I had Evitz on the podcast, because the little known fact, him and uh, Ross Robinson did the Unquestionable Truth EP. And I've always said, for everyone who bitched that Limp Bizkit never went back to the $3 Billy All sound that they wanted, The Unquestionable Truth is that fucking record. It's that raw, just, you know, four or five dudes in a fucking room hammering out jams. And it's probably one of the strongest releases for people who want that sound and style out of them. And no one knows it exists because they they tried doing very much like an Avenged Sevenfold, tried dropping it, just, here it is. And no one knew it was out. And... The running joke, like, when I made the comment to someone, like, oh, I'm going to see Limp Bizkit tonight, and they sold out the room we went to, and people were like, oh, you're going to see Limp Bizkit? Oh, like, you know, whatever. And they still fucking have it. They brought it the whole fucking time. Uh, you can tell that they're well-rehearsed because, and maybe it's a work, but to use a wrestling term, but 
at one point, Fred was just like, you guys are hype as fuck. Like, go ahead and start shouting out some shit, and if we can play it, like, we'll fucking play it. And compared to what I saw on the other set lists from, like, Setlist FM or whatever leading up to our show, and I think after, we were one of the few shows that got more of $3 Bill Y'all songs than anybody else. But I think it's because, like, our crowd was that fucking hype that, like, they were like, yeah, let, let's fucking, yeah, we'll do them. And I think the band hasn't waned in success in any, like, if you go overseas and watch what they do overseas, like, they're still a huge, huge band. So, to me, to see them where they are on this festival, I'm really hoping, and to me it shows that, like, no, this band still has big draw name ability. And I think when people see them at this festival and maybe they'll bang, like, drop some new shit that people aren't, like, haven't heard, like, you know, Golden Cobra or uh, Shotgun or, like, any of that kind of stuff. I think if, like, you know, they dropped off, like, around, you know, what was it, uh, Results May Vary, I think some people are going to be like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know, like, they were, and I didn't know they were still this good. And from what I understand, I think DJ Lethal's back in the band. So when I saw him, he was not. So, like, yeah. now you're truly getting Limp Biscuit. In all of its glory. And to me, I saw what they were like in a small club. Now I'm ready to kind of, I know it's not going to be as fever pitch, but I'm ready to kind of try to get that like, you know, Lollapalooza 99, or I'm sorry, uh, Woodstock 99, that, you know, fucking, those big, crazy festival shows that I used to see and grow up and being afraid of going to and being involved in those kind of crowds. I want to see that fucking Limp Bizkit, and I think you're going to get it at this show. Yeah, I think that they are um interesting band for me because, obviously, I'm not allowed to think it's cool or like it, you know, because I'm too cool, <laughs> a cool guy or whatever. Um, but, like, it is interesting to me, and this is something that we kind of touched on when we were talking with uh, uh, Lauren and Jenny and Matt from uh, – roach coach as they they start they started their new metal podcast because of olympus good show you know um and they're like you know this was like 2014 or 2015 and everybody was there enjoying the show because they loved the band nobody was there liking it ironically you know and uh i just thought that that was really interesting that they um that they've got such pull now and just like the uh, the actual like resurgence of new metal and like people actually demanding Limp Bizkit stuff. I, I yeah, it seems it's what's funny. It's like new metal, <laughs> new metal's on its way back. That's what's funny. Well, I think a band like Kane Hill kind <laughs> of shows that too a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, if a band, uh, like, if I, Deb would have been on this bill, I really feel like that would be kind of really ushering in this whole, you know, rap rock, rap metal, you know, the hybrid, no, not hybrid theory, but the hybrid sound that, like, the, the early 2000s kind of showcased. Well, I used to always joke that a lot of those new metal bands sounded more modern than, like, like when Metalcore came to, came to be popular it was all it was all on the backbone of old metal like people that were into old school metal were listening for the guitar solo or the complicated riffing or whatever but like new metal had those like rap and electronic elements to it that you know kind of made it stand out made it seem fresh and different 
Whereas, you know, unfortunately, metalheads prevailed and, you know, they said, no, we don't have any room for that. And it went away for a while. But um, I think it's unique in the fact that I think that it can come back and it very much is doing so. I don't like I don't think this is just going to be like a trend. I think that, you know, eventually new metal is going to actually be considered a legitimate genre of heavy music. And, you know, this this festival proves that like 100 percent. You know, Limp Biscuits right up there with the Bench Sevenfold. And honestly, it was probably pretty close. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I think that's that's a really good. I would say if you took Avenged, Five Finger Death Punch, Limp Biscuit, Nine Inch Nails, that basically is the biggest bands, the biggest, like, artists from each of their respective decades, eras of music. I mean, you got almost 40 years of, like, top-selling bands right there. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails has been around since, what, 88, 87? Yeah. Yeah, they started even earlier than that as a uh, culture club cover band. Yeah. And then (laughs) you go from there to Limp Bizkit, who took over in the early 90s, or mid to late nineties, Avenge taking over from there, and then I would say Five Finger Death Punch kind of taking over, maybe being a little bit bigger than Avenged as far as just on the mainstream level. So I mean, really, like that's that's kind of your progression of of stuff, and then you just kind of fill out the rest of the festival with a lot of like interesting fringe bands. I think the interesting set for me is going to be Primus. Yeah, I don't think anybody, as is usually normal, nobody's going to know what to think about Primus. <laughs> Primus is cool, but like I feel like in very small doses for me. Well, this is a, a perfect example of when you'll be able to get them in a, a smaller dosage. So but maybe not. Like maybe this might be a thing where, with, as the fourth build band on this thing, they oh, might true. get like a an hour set where you're kind of like, yeah, I could have done with a thirty five minute set from them. <laughs> Basically, all the hits. <laughs> My name is Mud. Uh, Winona's big Jerry Beaver, was the race car driver. Race car yeah. driver. Basically, all yeah. the hits from Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> what uh, what is what is the biggest surprise for you guys on this festival? Godsmack headlining. <laughs> I I I figured that Five Finger Death Punch would have been above them on the Saturday billing. <laughs> Poor Joe's not here to defend Godsmack. Um. It's not that I that I dislike them. I mean, because you know, I I enjoyed them at a certain time, you know, in the early two thousands. But I just didn't realize that they were still that relevant. I figured that a Five Finger Death Punch or a Shine Down, or or even a Hell Yeah would would have been at a, at a higher billing than Godsmack. But that's just that's just me. I mean, it's not like they don't have the you know discography and the hits. I mean, there's plenty of it, you know. So, I mean, it's not like they can't fill a set. It's just that I didn't realize that they were that relevant still. They're bulletproof. (laughs) Uh... That's my finger death punch, man. No, that's Godsmack's new song, Bulletproof. Yeah. Oh, well, there's there's a five finger death punch song, too, called Bulletproof. Oh, well. There's also a LaRue from Germany song called Bulletproof, and I think that's the better song out of the three of them. <laughs> I don't know any songs called Bulletproof, so 
Um, I think Ice Cube's going to be interesting, too. Um, I will say it's kind of interesting to see that this is... Some places where it's built, it's body count featuring Ice-T, and here it's just body count. So I don't know if that's like a, a promoter's selling point. Like, oh, it's it's featuring Ice-T, even though it's always had, had Ice-T. It's never not had Ice-T. Um, but to me, like, I love the fact that they're as high as they are. I love the fact that they're touring as touring in a loose sense touring as much as they are i've never seen the band i've been a fan for a really long fucking time i swear to god if they have a cop killer shirt or any of that shit from like the old old body count records i'm probably gonna buy like four of them because i'm gonna wear the shit out of those shirts and fade them real fast but i am pumped as shit to see body count i think my piss break band is gonna be hell yeah um you're gonna be alcohol and ass to the bathroom yeah because i mean i just i can't do it what if they bust out a pantera cover or a mud vein oh my god what if they so what if they were just a bust into like fucking dig or like ed gein or something like that nothing to gein they're not they're not going to what if they did what if they did for this set alone and you're just like oh my god i missed it What if a meteor fell from the ground and just incinerated my body right now? You would be you know, so like hurt. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> it's one of those uh you know, I like I don't care. Like I'm I'm at that point now where I'm so jaded that, you know, hell yeah is not gonna even if hell yeah plays dig, they're not gonna play it right. Vocals might sound right, like maybe. Um, nothing to yeah, gain's gonna Ryan's sound not like, gonna be there to pull out the yeah, crazy, no, nothing to gain's gonna sound like garbage. You know, like I, I just don't care about that band, um, like even even a little bit. Like I don't even, and it's not even, it's not even the Pantera connection. Like, because a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's just the Pantera connection." He hates everything Pantera, but it's like, no, it's it's deeper than that. It's it's that the music is. is it's that is I really not, hate Pantera. Not, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I don't. I just don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy Chad singing over it. I don't enjoy anything about it. So that's that. That's just gonna. That's the only band that I'm gonna be actively like being that guy about. Like, you know, you're gonna be watching it, and I'm gonna be like, "Hey, John, you want hot dogs? I'm gonna go get hot dogs." You know, like it's that's... gonna be that kind of moment. This is this is gonna be a killer festival, man. So in closing, let's all go around the around the horn, and we'll give our our band we're most stoked to see and maybe a lesser known band that we think people should check out their music. And if they're going to this to go see their set, start with you, Jeff. Well, I promise Dan, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm going to leave class. <laughs> even though I really want, even though I really want, well, I think it would speak to just appearance of well, I was going to say, I think, <laughs> I think if we were all just be like, Oh, Glassjaw is a band, whether it be the band that we, would say like go see this band or the band that we think like is an underrated band that like hey this is a lesser known band you should go check out this band i think the fact that like i i, I think safely saying all of us would say glassjaw would fit one of those two like if you're not familiar with glassjaw go check go check them out if you are familiar with glassjaw glassjaw go check them out cuz it's going to be great so but yeah go ahead so i'm going to go old school on both my picks the obvious pick for me Bush. is mostly I'm most ex- no <laughs> <laughs> Most excited that I am to see is definitely Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Uh, all these years, I have never seen I've them. I've never live. seen them either. Yeah, so Nine Inch Nails is definitely my. I'm most excited to see them, uh, and I think if they're as good as they 
uh, live show now is whenever I used to catch them regularly in the 90s would definitely be Monster Magnet. So it, I, I, I really hope that they still kick ass and take names just like they did, you know, 20 years ago. So that would be one that I that people, especially young, you know, younger fans that are that are going to be at these shows may not have heard of them or think it's their dad's music or whatever. If they kick as just much ass now as they did then, uh, those young whippersnappers are going to be uh, pleasantly surprised. Dan? Um, I see, I'm kind of in a tie for who I'm the most excited about. It's definitely a tie between Glassjaw and Deftones. Um, that's hard for me. Um, so I'm just going to pick both of them because, you know, it ain't illegal. <laughs> and... Um, I would say the band that everybody needs to check out if they haven't checked out by now. Ooh, I'm going to have to definitely go body count. I know they're not like, a, I know they're a huge band, but I feel like they're something that has just kind of been relegated as something like, it's kind of like how everybody assumed the Limp Bizkit isn't making music anymore when they in fact are very much doing so. Or, you know, like you just assume that the band that you don't listen to anymore doesn't do anything. Everybody assumes that body count's gone and they're not gone. <laughs> like, you need to go check out this new body count stuff. And um so yeah, that's that's pretty much my uh pretty much where I'm at on that. I think for me, the band I'm most excited to see is actually body count. Because I feel like with the lack of touring that they do, the fact that up until five years ago, they were gone for, what, 12, 15 years or so? They were gone They were gone a while, yeah. Yeah. So for me, like the fact that they're around, they have relevant, good music. The last, like I said, the last two records have been really fucking good. And that's not to say that the records they put out back in the early 90s and so forth were terrible. Um but, I mean, the fact that they're able to still come out with music that's still just as hard-hitting and relevant now as they were when they first came out is awesome. And I think for people who think Ice-T is nothing but the dude from fucking SVU, I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised at how good of a fucking frontman MC he is, how good Ernie is on guitar, how great the band is as a whole from what I, you know, from the records and what I've seen of live videos. And honestly, the, the band I think people need to check out which might come as a surprise, is actually Limp Bizkit. Because I think for as much as they get dogged, I think when people really see a band like them who have been still doing it for as long as they have, just not over here in the States, I think this is going to be one of those sets where people are, like finally start giving them the fair shake that they should deserve. And when people talk about great live bands, I think this is going to be a reminder of why this band is still fucking good in a live setting, why they're still around, why they're as highly billed as they are, I think this is going to be one of those things where people are going to walk away going like, damn, I didn't know they fucking still were around, I didn't know they still fucking brought it, but like, that was really fucking good. And I think maybe this is going to be the set that everyone talks about from this show, from this this festival, that maybe will bring Limp Biscuit back to, to notoriety and prominence here in the States, like they've been doing overseas for the last 10 years. It's entirely possible. I mean, this whole new metal resurgence thing is taking me very much by surprise. So um, I think the sky's the limit at this point. So in wrapping up, I always like to uh, have everyone plug their socials. It's pretty easy since you guys are actually on the same thing. So uh, where can people find discography discussion and you guys? 
Uh, you can find uh, our podcast at www.discussmetal.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com uh, slash discography discussion. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter at discuss metal. And um, yeah, that's where we'll be. Come say hi to us. And you guys have the Rock and Pod Expo coming up as well. Yeah, yeah. So on August 25th, we're going to the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we went last year and had a really good time. Um, we're really excited uh, that Brian Head Welch from Corn's going to be there. I'm um, really excited to get to talk to him and ask him some questions. And uh, Toby Wright, actually, who we're all like really, really stoked about. Um, who's, yeah, super who's, excited. Yeah, he's produced so many albums we've talked about on the show. And um, just an all-around great producer, man. I can't wait to, to get inside his head. Um, couldn't give less of a crap that Vinny Vincent isn't coming. Uh, just want to throw that out there. And, um, yeah. So we're just uh, we're really stoked about that. So if you're in if you're in Nashville, um, and you feel like talking to us, we're, we'll be there. And so will uh, Toomey and Josh Toomey of the Talk To Me podcast, and so will uh, Roach Coach. So uh, all all good podcast friends of ours. We're we're all going to be there. And then just in case, uh, for whatever reason, people aren't aware of the discography discussion uh, based on the name alone, uh, give a brief synopsis about it and uh, maybe some of your most current apps that you think people should check out. Well, Jeff, take that one. Oh, well, discography discussion is pretty straightforward. We literally go through the entire discography uh, of the band per episode. Uh, sometimes we'll have guests on, like John and Josh, Toomey, Uh we but yeah, one. that's that. What's that? I said we are one. We are the Borg. <laughs> yeah, and we, we'll also have uh, we've had like uh, Scott from. Z we got to say that for. Uh... <laughs> it's getting beeped. <laughs> but I know Dan would want to hear that. But yeah, that's that's really it in a nutshell as far as like what we do. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's a, it's real simple on, on the format is, is concerned, but like, uh, as far as like new stuff, uh, that I'm super proud of is probably Gojira. Loved that episode. It's a good one. And, uh, for, if you want to check out one that kind of gives you a little more insight into the Dan and myself would probably be the contortionist episode. Uh, that one's about a, uh, almost a year old now, but it, that's when I think we really started to, to gel and we kind of laid bare uh, who we are as people on that episode. So if you want to get to know us better, that's probably the best episode to listen to, to know who we are. It's real short, too. Yes. Less, yes, than, an hour, we're less than an hour long. Yes, because we're very shallow people. Yes. <laughs> and then uh. I always like to end these episodes out with a song. Uh, between the two of you, Pick a band and a song to end this episode out to. All right, Jeff, what do you think about um, The Incorrigible Flame by oh, Cephalic to... Carnage? Okay. No, I, I said from this festival. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, Sorry. this festival. Yeah, I was about ready to get all excited for some grindcore. And I know how much John loves grindcore. Don't make me pull out my scene next Tuesday. I think he said. I think he actually said that. Uh, oh God! Uh, I think he uh, actually said that grindcore is like sex, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely that's quotable. That's going. That's, that's going. That's my to, shirt. 
Let's go into blabbermouth right now. Yeah. Um, man, a song from this festival. A, a song from a band from this festival. Oh. Well, I'm thinking. I, well, I figured you guys would easily be like, "Oh, it's Glassjaw," and then it was going to be a, a, a de- like a between like three or four. But I guess I was wrong. <laughs> no. Yeah, we're. I. How about this? Let's do an old band covering an even older band. Dead Souls by Nine Inch Nails. Ooh. All right. I'm in. I'm going to agree with Jeff. Mark that on the calendar. Does anybody know who that's a cover of? Dead Kennedys? No. I don't know. It just sounded like some cred points I could throw out. <laughs> I just thought no. I just thought it was a I just thought it was a uh... Uh, a Nine Inch Nail song. So, no, yeah. no, it's a joy. It's actually it's a Joy Division song. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, on, right. it's on the Crow soundtrack. Sorry, yeah. Joe's like Jeff's like fifty six years old. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> to, uh, check it out. Yes, I was around for Joy Division. Thanks. <laughs> I have an originals uh, unknown pleasures T shirt. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And on that note, this has been uh, the Louder Than Light preview. Thank you guys for coming on. And uh, again, check out the discography discussion, and we will see you guys at Louder Than Life. I will be on Dan Shoulders during Eyes Without a Face during Billy Idol's set, and Jeff will probably be wheezing somewhere. Very, yeah, that's likely the that's likely going to be the case. So that was my chat with Dan and Jeff of Discography Discussion, going over 2018's Louder Than Life Festival. Want to give those guys a shout out again for coming on and talking all things louder than life with me, having a few good laughs. I uh, hope you definitely enjoyed those uh, bleeps of the band names that will not be mentioned on this podcast. Uh, it's a running joke. If you listen to their podcast or have been listening to their podcast for a while, you know the two bands that those two love to talk about. And so I thought it'd be a good, funny thing to do where I just bleep it out. So <laughs> make it seem like it's a bad word. Um, but yeah, so. Louder Than Life Festival, again, happening in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, September 28th, 29th, and 30th. I have a couple more podcasts scheduled with some of the other performers on that festival. I actually wrapped up my chat with Hyra the Hero today uh, before I finished editing this episode. Uh, And then tomorrow, as of the time I'm recording this, I'll be talking with uh, Matt from Blacktop Mojo. So there's going to be some more Louder Than Life talk coming up in the next uh, couple of months or so with some of the lesser-known bands, but I want you guys to get to know who these bands are. So if you happen to make your way to Louder Than Life, you know, hey, these are some good fucking bands, and I need to go see them. So stay tuned for some more of those chats. Uh, Also of note, I'm going to be posting uh, two episodes uh, each week, I believe, for the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I had mentioned before that I have some episodes that are just kind of sitting in my back catalog, and I just, you know, I kind of need to get rid of them and get them out. There's no need to have them sitting on my computer for no reason, so... Uh, You're going to be getting hopefully two episodes uh, for the next couple of weeks to kind of get rid of some of these. Uh, Later on Wednesday, I think, is going to be the dates I start posting these other chats. So on Wednesday, it'll be my episode with Sky Sweetnam from Sumo Psycho. Uh, And then we'll just be going through some of the other people, like Ian Schur from X Straight Line Stitch, Lucas Rossi, if you remember him from Rockstar Supernova, that had Tommy Lee and Gilby Clark and Jason Newstead uh, from way back in the day. Uh, catching up with him and seeing what he's been up to and uh yeah i got a few other chats and uh just gonna keep this thing going man like 
been a lot of fun. A lot of fun doing a lot of chats, and uh, I don't want to sit on these episodes any more than I have to. So I'm going to start doubling up on them, I think. Get them out to you. Let me know what you think. But I want to keep these intros and outros short like I've been promising to do. So that way you just get the meat and potatoes of the actual conversation. And so before we leave, I want to plug everyone's social. So if you would like to follow Louder Than Life Fest and keep up with everything that they are doing over there, I would first head to louderthanlifefestival.com. Keep up with their vendors, all the different things going on. Uh, but if you'd like to find them across socials, you can do such on Facebook and Instagram at Louder Than Life Fest. Tweet at them at LTL Fest. And our partners over at Discography Discussion, Dan and Jeff, you can find them on Facebook at Discography Discussion, Instagram at Discography underscore Discussion, tweet at them at Discuss Metal. You can find them at DiscussMetal.com. And if you'd like to keep up with everything that I'm doing, you can do such over on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube over at Johnson Title Podcast. Tweet at me at Johnson Title Pod and email me at JohnsonTitlePod at gmail.com. Got some new shit getting ready to come up. I'm really excited to start talking about some of the things that I've been working on, some sponsors coming on, uh, but I am going to keep the word mum for a hot minute, and uh, we'll get into it when I have more to divulge, but keep your eyes peeled. There's going to be some new shit, new things happening very soon. So without further ado, we are going to end this episode as we always do here on the podcast with a song, and as you heard Jeff pick, he wanted me to play Dead Souls by Nine Inch Nails, which is a Joy Division cover. And uh, it's really good. I forgot about this song, actually. I forgot how good the, the Crow soundtrack was. Um, Deftones being on it and actually in the movie. Um, it's kind of a thing I miss. You know, good movie soundtracks with metal bands. Queen of the Dam being another good one. Um, so kind of a nice uh, throwback for me to, to think about how great the soundtrack used to be. So uh, if you're into soundtracks, you're into good music, uh, go listen to this on iTunes or wherever and uh, kind of refall in love with a lot of the music maybe you forgot was on that album. So without further ado, this is Dead Souls by Nine Inch Nails. Talk to you next week.
figures from the past. 